0: Welcome to Short Stories, a new Brisbane Writers Group podcast and community radio series produced in Brisbane, Australia, showcasing a selection of short stories written and read as an audiobook by a group of talented writers from this city. In this episode, we feature the literary work of Tom Jones, a writer who loves to escape into the world of science fantasy.
1: Hi there. My name is Tom Jones and I usually have to say something like, don't ask me to sing, because I will, or something like that when I introduce myself. I'm retired these days, so it happens less than it used to. Well, after a lifetime of various and interesting jobs, including being a taxi driver, a hotel manager, and a paramedic, I have lots of experience to call on. I even delivered twins in the ambulance one day. Now there was an adventure. Nowadays, I spend a lot of time writing in the science fantasy genre. I love to escape into the world where anything is possible and there is magic in the air, and there are no boundaries. My aim in writing is to provide a euphonic experience and try to make the moment appear in their minds and feel real. This short story is called The Painted Lady. All right, Leo, time you were up in the nest, said Spoons as he stirred the great pot on the galley stove. Mine how you go, lad. Leo left the galley and headed along the deck, As always, he felt Mika's eyes burn into his back. The third mate was over the other side of the ship, so Leo walked quickly towards the main deck, where he would begin his climb to the nest. If he had to pass Mika closely, the man would always try and touch him, or brush his hair or something similar. It would be accompanied by some unsavory mark, and if the boy could avoid it, he did. He swivelled around the stay and climbed slowly and methodically up to the rigging. He had to keep watch for two hours but he regarded this as the best time of the day. As he reached the nest, Skinner climbed out to head down. Not much to see, lad, only whitecaps and wind. He didn't mind, Skinner. He was always civil and good-natured, which was more than you could say for the rest of the crew. It was only Meeker that scared him, though. Will we see land today, Skinner? No, lad, not for a day or two. Ship is all you need to worry about. Keep a sharp lookout for them. Leo took his place in the nest and looked through 360 degrees before settling back with his thoughts. He didn't have much time to feel sorry for himself. His days were full. First thing in the morning he had to fetch water for spoons and then down to the hole to get the vegetables, fish and other foodstuffs that formed the sailor's diet. Then he would get to peeling and chopping and all sorts of other preparations before tidying the scraps into a great stockpot. Breakfast was usually porridge, but every now and then they would cook a greasy kind of fish which smelt awful, but tasted delicious. He had to wash the old utensils before he could have his own meal, and round about midday he would climb the rigging to the nest. After the second meal of the day, in the late afternoon, with the utensils once more cleaned and away, he would sit with spoons and listen as the old cook drank rum until he was senseless. It was a fascinating listening to him go from one voice to another as he gradually became more intoxicated Leo learned to keep quiet and pick up as much information as he could Spoon's tongue would loosen and he would tell all sorts of stories which Leo would store in the back of his mind eventually Spoon's would become completely unintelligible and it wasn't long before he rolled onto his back in the bunk and began snoring Leo had never heard anyone snore so loud it was incredible It was a wonder that the fittings on the cabin didn't come off the wall. Despite this fact, it wasn't long before the boy was asleep himself. As Leo climbed down the last few feet to the deck, a hand ran up his thigh and instantly fear and disgust roiled within him. It was Meeker, of course. "'Ah, Admiral, did you spot any mermaids while you were up there?' The boy lurched away from Meeker's touch as a smile broke out on the third mate's face. Come on now, lad, don't be so churlish, is I's only being friendly. Keep your hands to yourself, Leo stammered. Ooh, a bit touchy, are we, Admiral? You might like it if you relaxed a bit. Leo sped away, followed by the braying laughter of Meeker and his cohorts. When he reached the galley, he leaned back on the door to make it shut. Boones looked around and said here, what's got stuck in your gizzard? "'Meeker,' he replied. Ah, was the only reply from about from the cook. Leo got to work ladling thick stew into pots. Gradually the smell soothed his fray nerves, but it still played on his mind when all done, and Spoons poured his first belt. The old cook mumbled about this and that. Leo pondered the danger from Mika. Poor Jackie, now here was a lad with a mountain of troubles. Leo's ears pricked up as Spoons meandered through a tale he hadn't told before. Jackie was with me for more than two years. He were a bright spark when he come up first aboard. Couldn't wait to sail. He was up and down the rigging like a bee on a flower. He were a lot younger than you, Leo, but he were a good worker. But then his mood changed and he was forever bad-tempered. He went silent, wouldn't talk to anyone. Then finally he fell from the nest in the middle of the deck and splashed his brains everywhere. Some of the crew said he jumped, but I can't fathom that, you know. Can't fathom that at all. The boy waited for more, but the old man lapsed into a kind of reverie, and soon the snoring began. Leo was awoken by the violent lurch of the ship, which threw him to the floor. Spoons was wailing something about incoherent, but making no attempt to get out of his bunk. He realised quickly that a storm had blown up, and it was a nasty one. He ran to the galley and secured all the loose items, then went topside to see what he could do to help. A voice cried out to him, "'What are you doing up there?' It was Skinner. I thought I could help, Leo replied. Best way you can help is by getting back to the galley and not disappearing overboard. It's a raker, it'll be short and sharp, but we'll be right. Now get back down below, lad. Leo did as he was told and sat out the storm in the galley. There was no way he could sleep even though he would regret it in the morning. The storm lasted a couple of hours, as Skinner had said, and things got back to normal as it went on its way. The galley door opened and Skinner peered in. All okay, lad, Leo nodded. Spoons? Skinner looked in Askins. He's asleep, said Leo. Well, he's the only one that is, Skinner said. Now try and get a bit of shut-eye yourself, lad. We'll be docking tomorrow, so you'll be busy. Skinner turned and shut the door behind him while Leo went back to his bunk. He pulled the blanket up to his chin and Spoons let out a loud fart. The boy laughed and realised it was the first time in a long while that he had done so. Next day dawn bright and cheery with a fresh breeze to drive the ship on its inexorable journey and after his chores he headed for the crow's nest and for once there was no sign of Mika. Skinner climbed out and said "'You should see land by late afternoon, lad, "'so give a hoy when you do.' As Skinner began to climb down he paused as if in thought and said "'You're a good lad, Leo, so look after yourself.' He looked as though he might say more but then maybe he thought better of it and he continued climbing down. The boy tried to fathom some meaning from it, but nothing came to mind. He sat back and ran his through his plans. He had no money, and he didn't think he would be getting any from the captain, so he might be able to work his passage on a ship home. He heard the far-off squeaks of seabirds and looked in that direction, but no land was in sight. He thought of the story Spoons had told, and he was convinced that Jackie had been a victim of Mika. He could tell that Spoons had regarded Jackie as a surrogate son, and had been deeply distressed by his death. The quicker he put some leagues between himself and Mika, the better he thought. Almost at the end of his shift, Leo saw a headland lips into view. At first he thought it might be his imagination, but gradually the coast became more obvious. He rose to his feet and shouted, "'Land ho! Land ho! Ahead on the port side!' Almost immediately a bell rang, and with the sound of running feet, as men tumbled onto the deck, sails were adjusted and the talk became loud. When the boy came down from the nest, the land loomed large over the side of the ship. Buildings could be made out, and he guessed they would reach the dock within an hour. As he surveyed the scene, two sailors came from behind and grabbed him by the arms. One of them was Mika. "'Woo, settle down, Admiral, where is he to assist you to your new quarters?' Though Leo struggled manfully, he could not shake the grip of the two full-grown men. They rustled him below into a part of the ship he had not seen before, it reminded him of a cellar. In one corner lay a bunk, and across the bed two lengths of chain connected to ankle-irons, which shone ominously. The two men shackled the boy, then pushed him backwards onto the bed. The captain likes you, Admiral, so he wants you to serve a second term. We'll be travelling down the coast in a few days, so just you rest yourself up. Mika stared manically at the boy and said, I'll be down to took you in once captain and the crew are gone ashore. Now won't that be a treat, Admiral? The men strode away laughing as Leo reefed at the chains with a feeling of helplessness, threatening to overcome him. He could sense the approaching threat of Mika and had no idea what he could do to protect himself. He sat on the bunk and tried desperately to think of a way out, but there wasn't any. Leo remained strangely calm as the hours passed by. Every sound put him on alert, but the panic he initially thought would overwhelming had not eventuated. All attempts to slip the chains had proven fruitless. He could not escape. A small lantern provided the only light this far down inside the fainted lady, and somehow it gave him hope. He thought of all the events that had transpired to see him end up in this precarious position, and wondered at the intricacies of fate. A sharp noise roused him from his reverie, and he knew that the footsteps he heard were those of Mika. As if to confirm his thoughts, a voice rang out, Oh, Admiral, are you ready to receive a visitor? A small laugh was followed by something unintelligible and said below Mika's breath, "'Not talking are we, Admiral? Has Cat got your tongue?' "'Well, don't worry. Mika's going to get you all nice and relaxed.' The third mate appeared at the edge of the lantern's glow, and Leo stiffened with tension. "'Ooh, I can see you ain't relaxed yet, Admiral. Here, try some of this.' Mika tossed a bottle of rum, and the boy was forced to catch it before it hit him. "'That's a boy.' Take a slug and you'll feel much better. A thousand thoughts raced through the boy's head, and though he was tempted to throw the bottle at the slurring, drunken sailor, he thought better of it. Instead, he gripped the bottle by the neck, holding it like a club. Ooh, Admiral, you ain't going to press gang me now, are you? Meeker lurched forward remarkably quickly and had all of the boy before he could think to use the bottle of as a weapon. The third mate eased himself down into the bunk, holding both the boy's wrists. His breath reeked of the bottle's contents, yet Leo could feel the sailor's strength and knew instinctively he was powerless to resist. His panic now arrived, and he screamed out, "'Leave me alone! Get away from me!' At the same time, he struggled with all his might. "'Well, that's not very friendly welcome, Admiral. You's the same as Jackie boy. He wasn't friendly either.' Leo struggled again, to no avail. The sailor brought the boy's arms to his side and pinned him with his leg, leaving one arm free." He reached down and began loosening the boy's breeches. Leo screamed out again, "'Leave me alone, you scumbag!' He struggled and got his arm free, but then felt the hand of the third mate strike him across the face. "'Aye, Admiral, you're as bad as Jackie, all right. But I calmed him down in the end, and he were quiet about it then. There was no need for him to take a swan dive off the rigging, though. It were only a bit of fun.' Leo felt his trousers slide down the sides of his legs, and the shrill feeling of fear overcame him like icy water down his spine. Mika loomed above him, loosening his own belt, and a manic smile sliced his face like a wound. ''Relax, Admiral, it'll all be over afore you know it.'' Mika gave a grunt, and though his smile remained, his eyes had an expression of bewilderment. His breath whistled through his teeth, and a voice sounded from the darkness. ''That's for Jackie, Mika.'' "'The likes of ye ain't fit to walk the earth.' "'Leo recognised the voice of Spoons "'as the third mate pitched forward beside him on the bunk. "'A long, ugly knife protruded from his back "'and the boy knew instantly that the third mate was dead. "'Spoons walked forward and slumped on the free edge of the bunk. "'Both of them sat in silence "'while the enormity of what had occurred sank in. "'Finally, Spoons broke the silence and said, "'Let's get those chains off you, Leo.' We have a lot to do and it ain't going to be fun. The next few hours were a nightmare. Spoons found an old piece of sailcloth and they laid it beside the still form of Mika. Right, Leo, roll him over. What are we going to do, Spoons? This we is going to get rid of Mr. Mika and he ain't coming back, that's what. They rolled Mika in the sailcloth and tied each end. A red stain spread across the cloth. The tight space and dead weight of Mika made it awkward to move him. When they hauled him through the trapdoor, Leo's hand became smeared with blood, and he almost vomited. After what seemed an age, they got the body to the ship's rail, spoons tied an anchor to the makeshift shroud, and then looked to the boy. "'Don't you be losing any sleep over this, un, boy. He would a killed you as soon as look at you.' "'No part in prayer for you, Mr. Meeker.' With that, he slid the corpse over the side and a second later the splash sounded like the loudest noise Leo had ever heard. They stayed still and quiet for a while, but no one came to investigate. "'Now come with me, Leo. There's no way you can stay here. They'll beat the story out of or you'll die first. Leo followed Spoons back to the galley cabin and washed his hands. "'Here, take this,' said the old cook. He had put a silver florin in the boy's hand. "'Go on shore and hide.' They will look for you, but the ship has to leave in three days, so they'll give up then. Don't get caught. That silver will get you back home where you should be. I'll finish cleaning up and be drunk before they get back. It'll be a while before they realise Mika's missing, and that should give you a head start. Now remember, don't get caught. With that, he ushered Leo from the cabin, across the deck and off the ship. Whatever you do, don't get caught. Spoons turned and was gone. This has been a short story written and read by Tom Jones for the Brisbane Writers
0: Group podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to this new podcast called Short Stories from a group of talented Brisbane writers. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a story or the next episode. Search for more short stories on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more information on our riders, head to our website, Podcast.com.au and click on the Riders Contact page. Short Stories from the Brisbane Riders Group Podcast is a Brisbane Podcasting Centre production supported by Brisbane City Council, the Queensland Government and the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening.